Hey, my name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. He says, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is God's word for God's people. Good morning. How's everybody? Good. It's good to see y'all. Um, my name is Brett. If you don't know me, I'm uh, one of the pastors on staff here. And uh, we are at an interesting day or week in the church calendar, which is the week following Easter. And sometimes I think that we're maybe not as good as we could be about knowing what to do um, a- after Easter. There's all this build up to it. You know, like different clothes come out and people find their pastel colors and there's egg hunts and people get together and have parties and eat food sometimes. And, you know, there's kind of all of this uh, stuff. There's the the best part um, about like uh, Easter culturally is the Reese's peanut butter eggs. Why are they significantly better than a regular Reese's? I don't know, but they are. Um, thank you, Jesus, for that. I think that's what it was all about. And, uh, and you know, there's all, there's all this buildup. And, and we're celebrating the resurrection, which is what we think is the center of history. Like, the, the resurrection changes everything. If it's real, then what we are doing here is connecting us to, to the God who's going to carry us into all eternity and redeem the world. And, and if the resurrection isn't real, then we're all wasting our time, like, a lot. And, and so it's, it's the thing. But what do we do on the other side of it? Sometimes I think that um, maybe it's just me, but we can have build up to these, these big events and we see them as finish lines instead of a doorway into the next thing. And maybe I can think just about this and not give a lot of thought to what comes after. Like when I know I've mentioned um, this trip before, but my buddy Jason and I, when we were graduating seminary, We were really excited about graduating, obviously, and we planned this trip um, to go to Europe for two weeks, you know, and we were just so excited to get there, get there, get there, and we, uh, we bought tickets, and we landed in London, and that was all the plans we had. We didn't know where we were sleeping. We didn't know where we were eating. We didn't have currency. You know, this, this was before, well, there were iPhones, but they, were, they weren't owned by grad students, I'll tell you that. Um, and, uh, and like, we had to find an internet cafe and Google, where do people sleep in London? Um, and like, we, we spent two weeks just kind of bouncing around Europe with no plans, which was kind of fun, and every now and then, just a little stressful. And it, it wouldn't have hurt us to not just think about getting there, but like, so now what? And as we are coming to um, this place in the church calendar where we're celebrating the resurrection, I think it's worth asking, so now what? Jesus rose from the dead. Awesome. That's the center of everything that we believe. It's the cornerstone of Christianity. Now what? Now what? We we have a a group of students who have just gone through confirmation. They are um, owning their own faith. Like they're deciding, yes, this is what I want for my life. That's awesome. 
So now what? Like, what's on the other side of that? What is this a doorway into? And if we don't give that any thought, sometimes, um, especially around Christianity, maybe we can think that just the agreeing or believing the thing is like, is like the finish line. Like, I know some people that, like, they've gone through, like, um, the church membership process, you know? And they, they'll come to church and they'll do the whole thing and then they'll become a member of the church. And that's the last time we see them. That's kind of weird. Right? That's like if I got married to my wife and I'm like, we did it. High five. I'll call you a couple times a year. Right? I mean, like, no, this is the start. This is the start. It's not the finish line. It's, the, it's, it's a doorway into a whole new life. And, and, and so I, I noticed in Scripture that some of Jesus' disciples are wrestling with some of the same things. Uh, they lived with Jesus. They heard him teach. They walked with him. There was um, his betrayal and his death. And then there was his resurrection, and their world is turned upside down. And, and then he comes to be with them, and it seems like they're trying to figure out, so what do we do now? And he keeps trying to kind of like pull them back onto that. So I just want you to imagine what it might be like to be with Jesus after the resurrection. Um, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, On one occasion... While he was eating with them, which I just could, can you imagine eating with Jesus after he died and got up? Would you eat or would you just stare at him? Like, is this real? They were eating with him and he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time coming to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set for his own authority, by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The resurrection was a doorway into something that they had not wrapped their heads around. It, it, was, it was a doorway into something rather different. Now, notice at first, when, when he starts talking about what's next, they, they say, um, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Which is what they, they misunderstood about his whole ministry with him, is that they thought that the Messiah was there to restore their country and their religion the way that they thought, particularly by a military victory over Rome. And they're on the other side of the resurrection. Like, we, we went through all of this. I mean, yeah, let's, you know, set aside the times that we, you know, turned into chickens and, and, um, and deserted you, Jesus, and, and some of us even denied our faith. But we, we got through that, right? And you, you rose from the dead. Now do we get the thing that we wanted? Now do we get the thing that we've been after? And, and Jesus, he pulls their attention to something totally different. And I wonder if maybe it's pretty natural. I can do it uh, a fair bit. If we, if we go through the things with Jesus and we start to believe the things that we think that are right, we can assume that those are the doorway into getting the things that we had hoped for, the, the life that we wanted. And, and Jesus it turns out, is not interested in giving you the life you want or in giving me the life that I want. He is interested in inviting us into his life 
the way that he wants to make things. And that's where all of the life actually is. And it's not about now is the time to give you the things that that make you happy or the things that you think are best for you. This is the time for you to get on board with what I am doing in you and in the world. And he talks about you're going to be my witnesses, my, my missionaries in Jerusalem, the city they were in, Judea, the region they were in, Samaria, the country next door, and to the ends of the world. Now, these are good Jewish boys and girls. They, they believed the temple was it. The temple is where God's presence is. It was just down the road in Jerusalem. To, we're going to leave and go to the ends of the world? That sounds, that sounds quite strange. And, and remember, this was before um, internet. This was, this was before encyclopedias. Do you guys remember encyclopedias? My grandparents... One Christmas, they, this was their gift to us. They got us a set of Encyclopedia Britannica, or maybe it was World Book. I think it was World Book. And it was like, that was, this was like, as a, a kid, you're supposed to be excited that your grandparents got you encyclopedias, right? And I went home a few years ago, and there they were. There was like four of them turned sideways to hold up the computer monitor. <laughs> and this is our, right? they had no access to information about the outside world. This would have been quite scary for them. This would have, and it ends up demanding the rest of their lives. This thing that Jesus invites them into after their belief, their belief is a gateway into something else. It is something that is challenging, is hard, is quite the stretch. It demands the rest of their life, and it ends up redefining all of history. Now, that, that thing that's in us, I, I believe we're wired to want adventure. Like, there's something in us that calls to that. But it's, it's like always fighting with this thing in us that wants control. And you can't have both. We can either have adventure or we can have control. And like people that um, do marketing, they know this and they, they work on this. Um, for example, um, I, was, uh, I was putting on my deodorant one morning and I, I saw this. Do you guys see it? The scent of adventure. Do your armpits smell like adventure? <laughs> do they? Do they? Because Old Spice is hoping you want them to, Right? And, and I know their marketing is silly and it's fun and, and it, I think it's, it's, it's quite sharp um, and, uh, and enjoyable. But, but it, usually things are funny because there's a bit of truth in them and they're hoping you are in the pharmacy, you know, like um, hygiene section of Target and that you are walking down the aisle looking for deodorant and, and there will be something in you that'll be like adventure and deodorant, I'm in. Now, here's the thing, is they know that that doesn't have anything to do with adventure. But it might just convince you it does a little bit. It might, or anybody go ziplining? Have you ever been ziplining? I like ziplining. I think it's fun. But here's the thing. It's fake adventure. It's fake. You are in a harness strapped to a steel cable that could hold an elephant. Right? You are, there is, there's no danger. There's no danger there. I mean, unless you were going to like saw yourself out of a harness while you're in mid-zip, you're fine, right? But we get, the, we get the sense of adventure without letting go of any control. Or roller coasters. You guys, look, 
Millions of dollars are spent to build those things to incredibly high safety specifications. That's a good idea, right? There's engineers that work, you get in this metal frame that locks you in there, and then they blast you at 70 miles an hour through a bunch of corkscrews. It's so much fun, but it's not, it's not dangerous. But we just, we just get the illusion of danger, which is what makes it marketable. That's what makes it a good product to consume. Whether it's deodorant or roller coasters or zip lining, there are people that want us to have the illusion of adventure without ever actually having any risk. And Jesus, he invites people to drop their hopes of control into a place of just trust as they join him on something quite adventurous. And he talks about, I want you to be my witnesses in all the world. Did you know that all of the world desperately needs to know Jesus? Desperately needs to know Jesus. And Jesus spent his whole ministry talking about how I want to bring the kingdom of heaven. I want to bring the kingdom of God. I want the world out there to look like heaven. And that's what I am giving my life for. And here's the deal. Bringing the kingdom of God out there is mission. And that's what we're invited into. And you don't need to wait. Whether you're 13 or whether you're 83, Jesus wants you to get involved in his mission to bring heaven to earth out there. And it can look lots of different ways. Maybe we could put them into two big categories. There's like targeted mission, where someone has a particular sense that they are going to break their norm and go somewhere or talk to someone or be involved in something that they wouldn't have normally because God changed their direction. They were open to what the Holy Spirit was saying and they broke their pattern to go bring a little bit of heaven there. I've had friends that have have packed their bags and moved across the globe for that. A lot of times in my life, maybe the most common way that I'm um, getting better at saying yes is when I feel like God puts someone on my heart is to simply send a text. That's breaking my, my pattern. Hey, you were on my mind. How are things going? And it's not, it's not because I'm in, intelligent enough. I think you all picked up on, on that by now. Like, there's nothing brilliant going on here. But, but just the ability to say yes. And the number of times that I get something back that says, you wouldn't believe what's going on in my life right now. And, and that, like, targeted mission, the chance to break your pattern. And are you open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do where he wants to send you at any age that you are, in any group that you're in, any family that you're in. I think most of the way, though, there's that targeted thing that we get pulled into mission is just this on-the-way mission that as we go through our life in the things that we're normally in, whether that's baseball or cheerleading or work or family or that group of guys that you eat breakfast with, I don't know. But in those moments that you are a walking missionary there to bring a little bit of heaven to earth, to be a witness for Jesus, and and that doesn't have to look like you being a crazy person. It can be you being the most sane person in the room, offering a little bit of heaven, a little bit of peace to a world that is in desperate need of it. You know, when I was, um, when I was, you guys' age down front. Uh, I think maybe my, I know these were not high ambitions, but when I was in like seventh grade, my biggest mission in life was to make it through a day at school without being embarrassed. Like that was my hope. 
you know, was to like stay just under the radar enough, you know, because I noticed that maybe it's just me, I wasn't cool enough, but anytime I got on people's radar, it usually didn't go well, you know, and so in seventh grade, eighth grade, my, my hope was just to kind of like, kind of fly under the radar if I could, if I made it through the day without being embarrassed, that was a pretty good day, It's a pretty good day. When I was in high school, though, I ran into somebody who had this sense of on-the-way mission as a high schooler. And a targeted thing, I think the Holy Spirit spoke to him when we were in high school. He grabbed me and a couple other guys and changed our lives. And, and he helped us see our high school as a place for heaven to come to earth. That how, how you walk into the locker room or how you, how you eat lunch with people, how, how you talk to people, how you serve the people that are forgotten or left out or made fun of or whatever, this is an opportunity for heaven to meet earth. And the last two years of high school were completely different for me. It reoriented my life. I ended up picking, picking my college based on where I felt like Jesus was telling me to go. You know, so I went to Florida State as, as a missionary, you know, because they need Jesus. I mean, holy smokes. And, and, you know, it was a big deal. And so I went to, I went to Florida State as a hope of, of seeing it look more like heaven when we left than when, than when we went. And I, like, got a degree while I was there, you know. Uh, that took maybe a little more focus than I was planning on, especially by the end. I had some senioritis. But, but your family or your work or what, your hobbies, whatever it is, that is a place that Jesus is sending you to bring heaven to earth because they really need it. And I, I noticed, though, as I, as I pushed into mission, this has happened many times in my life, it just looks different ways at different times, bigger, smaller, that at some point I, I hit a wall when I'm on mission. I hit a wall. Either I run into my own dysfunction or I run into my sin or my limits or, like, wounds that I have that I've never dealt with or forgiveness issues or I discover some part of me that hasn't been surrendered to Jesus yet, and I hit a wall. And I think um, at first I thought that maybe those were things just to move past without dealing with them really well. But Jesus, as he's speaking to his disciples, you know, he has, he has this invitation. It's not just for them to go into all the world. There's this other element in there too. Like if we could look at verse 8 again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you that God is going to come live in you. That it's not just about what he's going to do through you. He wants to do something in you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Sometimes I can get focused on the mission and I, I can forget that God wants to work in my own heart. The um, confirmation class, we, we gave them a... Um, a prayer out of the book of Colossians, chapter 1. You guys got one of these? And we'll pray this over them later in the service, but Paul has this um, beautiful prayer. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So why are we giving you all this knowledge? So that 
that you can live a life pleasing of the Lord and serve him in every way. That there's something internally that changes in us, that we're transformed on the inside. The knowledge and understanding of the Spirit so that you will live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have endurance and patience. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. That first there's this transformation that happens in us. And then that we would please him with every good work. I I think that sometimes I I can get focused on what's out there and I forget that God wants to bring the kingdom of God in here too. And that he's not done. That I'm still learning. I'm still surrendering. I'm still asking for forgiveness. I'm still wanting him to make me different on the inside You know, bringing the kingdom of God in here is what we call holiness. Which is a bit of a a churchy word, but let me tell you, that is quite the adventure. To say, God, I I want you to reveal to me what inside of me needs to look more like heaven. Needs to look more like you. The Bible talks about God dwelling in unapproachable light and in in the work of holiness he brings that light inside of us and it transforms us one bit at a time and I am still in process and what I find is that living in mission pushes me to the end of myself that makes me ask God to come in here and change my heart which ends up pushing me back out into the world on mission that there's kind of this flow between the two this like living on mission out there and trying to follow Jesus in holiness in here. And the two kind of feed each other. You know, maybe as, as, a, as a Christian, it's easy to get stuck in one or the other. Maybe, maybe you've said yes to life after belief. And you're all about mission, and that's beautiful. But don't forget that he is still working on you. That you're not done. That you still have growth that he wants to continue to transform you to make you look more like everything he ever dreamed about you being, that you still have sin to repent of, that you still have things to work on, and that he wants to meet you in those things. That's quite the adventure. Now, sometimes, good church people, we can get caught up in our small groups or our our um, Bible studies or our prayer groups or the things that we love. And we, we, we love being in the word, maybe, or, or times in worship. That's great. Don't forget that he has a mission for you outside. That he wants to send you into the world over and over and over again so that the world would be more like heaven out there. You know, grandparents, pray for your grandkids. But don't pray for them that they would just enjoy their life. Pray for them that their lives would bring heaven to earth. Right? I mean, people... Yeah, pray for, pray for a raise at work or promotion at work or for that really annoying person at work to get transferred to another branch. That's all right. Pray for, you know, fine, fine. Pray for it. Maintenance, that, that's good. But, but pray, pray that God would use you in that space to make it look more like heaven, that when people step in, that they're changed. Uh, whether you're going to school, don't just pray that you'd make it through like I did, just hoping I don't get embarrassed. 
the eighth grade, the seventh grade, your baseball team, whatever it is, can be different because of you. You know, maybe just a couple of questions as, as we reflect. What, what do you call a good day or a good week or a good year? Like, what, what, makes you, what makes you reflect and say, that was good? Was it because you got what you wanted? Maybe like the disciples wanted Jesus to restore the kingdom of Israel. Was it because you got what you wanted, or was it better than that? That you were involved in the mission of God to bring heaven to earth out there or be transformed on the inside. Well, what do you call a good day or week or year? Maybe it's time to reevaluate and get something better because it's better. And then, like, maybe I was just talking about a few minutes ago, what do you pray for? That's a great, great chance to look at people's lives. Maintenance prayers are great. Pray that people get well and that, you know, we hit the height that we hope we will by the time we graduate high school. Pray that our spouse is happy or that our car doesn't break down again. Those are good things. Pray for those. What else are you praying for? Because there's a world out there that really needs to know that there's a God that it wants to redeem them, love them, pull them into his world. What are you praying for? What are you praying for in here? Are you still seeking transformation on the inside? I think that maybe like us, uh, like Jesus' disciples, I, I don't want to just stop at belief. You rose from the dead. I've decided to be a Christian. I've decided to own my own faith. That's great. That's not where we stop. That's where we start. And that is a doorway into the adventure and the life change that Jesus is calling us to as he brings heaven to earth in the world and in our own hearts. So let's say yes to that. Let's pray. Father, would you stir our hearts that it wouldn't be enough to just say the things that we think we're supposed to say, but that we would, we would live a beautiful life being poured out for you. Change us. God, that we would, we would invite you to make us holy over and over and over again and that we would join you in what you're doing in the world. And it is in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to lacroixchurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon.